children were singing a rhyme and playing a game called Ring Around the Roses. When I grew up in Canada in the 1940s, children holding hands in a circle still moved around and sang Ring Around the Roses, a pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. The origin of the rhyme is the flu-like symptoms, skin discoloring, and mortality caused by bubonic plague. The children were reflecting society's efforts to repress memory of the Black Death of 1348-49 to and its lesser aftershocks. Children's games were, or used to be, a reflection of adult anxieties and efforts to pacify feelings of fright and concern at some devastating event. So say the folklorists and psychiatrists. The meaning of the rhyme is that life is unimaginably beautiful, and the reality can be unbearably horrible. In the late fourteenth century, a London cleric, who previously served in a rural parish, and who is known to us as William Langland, made severe reference to the impact of infectious diseases, pox, smallpox, and pestilence, plague, in Piers Plowman, a long, disorganized, and occasionally eloquent spiritual epic. As translated by Siegfried Wenzel, So nature killed many through corruptions. Death came driving after her, and dashed all to dust. Kings and knights, emperors and popes, he left no man standing, whether learned or ignorant. Whatever he hit stirred never afterwards. Many a lovely lady and their lover knights swooned and died in sorrow of death's blows. For God is deaf nowadays, and will not hear us, and for our guilt he grinds good men to dust. The playing children, arms joined in a circle, and singing ring around, and the gloomy, anguished London priest, were each in their distinctive ways trying to come to psychological terms with an incomparable biomedical disaster that had struck England and most of Europe. The Black Death of 1348-49 to was the greatest biomedical disaster in European and possibly in world history. Its significance was immediately perceived by the wise Arab historian Ibn Khaldun, writing a few years later. Civilization, both in East and West, was visited by a destructive plague which devastated nations and caused populations to vanish. It swallowed up many of the good things of civilization and wiped them out in the entire inhabited world. A contemporary Florentine writer referred to the exterminating of humanity. A third, at least, of Western Europe's population died in what contemporaries called the pestilence. The term the Black Death was not invented until after 1800. This meant that somewhere around 20 million people died of the pestilence from 1347 to 1350. The so-called Spanish influenza epidemic of 1918 killed possibly 50 million people worldwide, but the mortality rate in proportion to total population 
was obviously relatively small compared to the impact of the Black Death, between 30% and 50% of Europe's population. The Black Death affected most parts of the Mediterranean world and Western Europe. Ingmar Bergman's 1957 film The Seventh Seal depicts the impact of the Black Death on Sweden. In Bergman's view, the Black Death, which reached Sweden by 1350, caused an era of intense pessimism and widespread feelings of dread and futility. But the great medical devastation hit no country harder than England in 1348-49, to and because of the rich documentation surviving on 14th-century England, it is in that country that we can best examine its personal and social impact in detail. Furthermore, there were at least three waves of the Black Death falling upon England over the century following 1350, nowhere near as severe as the cataclysm of the late 1340s, whose severity was unique in human history. But the succeeding outbreaks generated a high mortality nonetheless. The population of England and Wales in the 13th century had doubled. Unusually warm weather, together with adequate moisture, produced bumper crops, and the generous food supply moderated the death rate. Then the downswing of the Malthusian cycle, common to pre-modern rural societies, set in. Due to famines in the second decade of the 14th century, the English population had begun to recede from its medieval peak of six million in 1300. But it was the Black Death that principally caused the demographic crash, and the road back was slow and very long. When the English population began to rise significantly in the later 17th century, there was yet another and final outbreak of the terrible pestilence in 1665, as graphically imagined by the journalist Daniel Defoe, author of Robinson Crusoe, in his Journal of the Plague Year, 1722. The level of English and Welsh population attained in 1300, close to six million people, was not reached again until the mid-18th century. Recently, there have appeared in scientific journals and in the press articles and stories about diseases and pandemics in modern times that raise remarkable parallels with or connections to the Black Death and offer new perspectives on the 14th century devastation. But there will likely always be a degree of uncertainty about the clinical history of the Black Death because of severe limitations of the 14th century medical profession in diagnosing the ailments of its patients. 14th century medicine was not without accomplishment. It could amputate limbs and normally cauterize the wounds in an effective manner. It had precious knowledge of herbal remedies for headache, minor stomach aches, menstrual cramps, and other marginal afflictions, possibly including psychological depression. But it was impotent in the face of an epidemic. Medieval physicians still followed the theories of the second-century Greek doctor Galen, which attributed disease to imbalance in the bodily conditions or humors of an individual. The main instrument of diagnosis was eyeballing the color and consistency of urine. 
The prime remedies for illnesses involved restoration of putative bodily balance through purgation, enemas, or bloodletting. Drawing blood from a sick patient was considered a credible remedy until the 19th century. Cleaning the bowels was thought to have a curative effect. Enemas are still a popular home remedy. Nineteenth-century medicine introduced antiseptic surgery and anesthesia and smallpox inoculation, but in the face of a pandemic outbreak was not much better off than the physicians of fourteenth-century England. Faced with a worldwide outbreak of what was arbitrarily called Spanish influenza in 1918, which killed fifty million people within a year, the early 20th century medical profession was not much more effective in terms of diagnosis and cure than its medieval counterpart facing the Black Death. Essentially, the flu pandemic of 1918 came and went without anyone knowing why, in spite of the capacity to see under a microscope some viruses and bacteria that were totally invisible to the physicians of the 14th century. Recently, DNA analysis has begun on cell tissue taken from 1918 graves in Spitsbergen and Alaska. After surveying what recent biomedical science tells us about the Black Death, this book studies the Black Death in two ways. It aims to show how the great biomedical devastation affected particular individuals, both victims and survivors, families, institutions, cultures, and social groups. It tries existentially to communicate the experience of this terrible ordeal, which may have some parallels in human society in coming decades. This is a microcosmic close-up perspective on the Black Death. The second perspective is at the macrocosmic level. This book places the 14th century in context of the long history of such fearsome outbreaks of infectious disease, drawing upon our increasing knowledge of the history of medicine. On the microcosmic level, we will learn what happened to key individuals in a society overwhelmed by biomedical devastation. On the macrocosmic level, we will gain insight into the history of the human race from its beginning, millions of years ago, into the third Christian millennium. Chapter 2 Rodents and Cattle In spite of the incapacity of the medieval medical profession to describe securely the symptoms and course of the Black Death, Historians of medicine and society have been able to determine that it involved at least bubonic plague, the same pandemic that had devastated the East Roman or Byzantine Empire in the 6th century AD, and invaded the whole Mediterranean world in the 3rd century or even earlier. The only big question on the medical side of the Black Death is whether bubonic plague was exclusively the cause of the devastation of the 1340s, or whether another disease was simultaneously occurring in some parts of Europe, and particularly in England. Bubonic plague is a bacillus carried by parasites on the backs of rodents. Principally, but not exclusively, in the Middle Ages, the species of black rat. The black rats and the plague parasites residing on them 
could have been disseminated by shipping in international trade. The port of Bristol was the major initial point of entry for the pestilence into England. It is this provocative picture of these rodents scurrying inland from port cities and making long journeys through the countryside at great speed so that most of Western Europe was in pandemic conditions within a year of initial contact that raises skepticism about the conventional account of the Black Death's exclusive identification with bubonic plague. When a human contracts bubonic plague without antidote, not available until the applications of antibiotics in the 1940s, there is a four out of five probability that he will die within two weeks. The first stage is marked by flu-like symptoms, normally accompanied by high fever. In the second stage, buboes, that is, black welts and bulges, appear in the groin or near the armpits. Except about 10% of plague victims, in these unfortunate men and women, the buboes develop intra-abdominally, that is, internally, and are only seen in autopsies. The buboes first grow as dark accretions on the skin. They vary in size from 1 to 10 centimeters, but are all extremely ugly and extremely painful. Diarrhea and vomiting also accompany this, the crisis stage of the plague. Its incubation period, marked by fever, runs from two to eight days. The third and often fatal stage of the plague is respiratory failure, pneumonia. Today, a patient is likely to recover if treated with antibiotics during the first two stages. If the disease reaches the third stage, antibiotics may not work. Forty years ago, historians believed that bubonic plague stopped affecting Europe in the 18th century because one species of rodent, the black rat, was replaced by another species, the gray rat. Even if this were true, which is not likely, it would not account for the disappearance of the plague because the disease can be carried by any rodent and, today scientists believe, by cats of which there were plenty in the 18th century. Moreover, there are peculiarities about the spread of the Black Death if it was exclusively bubonic plague that was involved. In 1984, the British zoologist Graham Twigg pointed out that the plague's impact, at least in England, was as severe in some thin...